Amen. New series called Trust the Process, okay? Go ahead that little video real quick while I get my life together here. That's not it. There we go. Amen. So we're going to a new series titled Trust the Process. And it's all about our daily sanctification. Anybody know what sanctification is? Raise your hand. Yeah, maybe one, two, two, three, four, five. One or two of you. That's okay. I'm going to explain it to you, so don't worry. But this series is going to walk us all th- through what it means for the Lord to move us through the process of growing in Christ. That's all the sanctification is, is, is the Lord growing us and purifying us to make us look more like his son, Jesus Christ. Very, very simple explanation, okay? Sanctification is important because... Uh, The Lord saved us, not just so that we could stay the same, but so that we can grow in Christ Jesus. Amen? So, uh, the goal for any follower of Christ is to become more like Jesus. That's simple. Our entire lives should be pointing us in that direction. However, uh, if we're honest, sometimes we fail to see that we have to participate in what the Lord is doing to sanctify us in this life. We don't just sit by and wonder, like, well, how come I'm not growing? How come I'm not changing? <laughs> like, it's a work of the Lord to change us and to, and to form us into what he's calling us to be. But he calls us to participate in that process. Amen? So, listen, God is the one who changes us, and he is setting us apart As his own and he's shaping us to be like him forever. It is not an overnight success though. I want to communicate that to us. It's not an overnight success and it will come only as the Lord has decided. So some things in your life you won't be able to overcome because the Holy Ghost is not working in your life at that time to move you because there's still something that he wants to do in your life with that particular thing. So if we are going to grow in Christ, if we're going to be sanctified in him, here's what we have to do. Trust the process. I was going to do a corny illustration about the 76ers. But then I decided not to because it's that's what you would expect. I don't want to do anything you might expect. (laughs) So here's what this process looks like. I'm going to be in James chapter one today. And I've got a message titled for you as trusty trials, trusty trials. Join me in James chapter one. Hear these words of our Father. 
it says, consider it or count it a great joy, my sisters and brothers. Whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Somebody say endurance. Verse 4. And let endurance have its full effect or its perfect work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him who ask in let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double minded and unstable in all of his ways. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray, Lord, that these words would transport from heaven down into our hearts. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to your people today, God. And Lord, I pray that 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 you would stand in my body and think through my mind and, and speak through my mouth today, Lord, and let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer, in whom I place all of my trust, Lord. Let this word sever the marrow from the bone, God, and get deep down into the marrow of our souls today. It's in Christ's name that I pray these things with expectancy in my heart. That the whole church said, Amen. Amen. So we cannot expect to grow unless we are willing to let God lead us in the process. See, trials are a sign of God's work among us and within us. See, James here, the brother of Jesus, the one who came to believe in Jesus only after uh, he witnessed him being resurrected from the dead that we celebrated last week. Prior to that, James didn't believe in the claims of his big brother. He thought his brother was tripping. Talking about if you if, if, if you tear down this this body, I'll raise it up in three days. If you got older brother in here, older sibling in here, anybody got older sibling? You've looked at them how James looks at Jesus sometimes. Just like, shut up. <laughs> you think you something. Now, I wouldn't know anything about that because I'm the oldest. <clears throat> so. <laughs> but James, the brother of Jesus, he speaks to God's plan of leading us into maturity. Through our struggles. See, oftentimes we look at our struggles and we, we feel as if when we struggle that God's not with us. But the reality is in this text we find out is that when we struggle, God is actually with us. So true faith is being produced through our testing. But... True faith 
is has been produced is produced because of our testing. So we have true faith because we're being tested in the sense. And we must finish the course to see the work completed. If we're going to see the fruit of God's work in us, then we must see it through to the end. That's what James is talking about here when he talks about endurance. It's us seeing it through to the end. The tests are more about, watch this, what was promised by God and not about what was deserved. See, oftentimes we get in the midst of a trial and we say, I don't deserve this. We get in the midst of a a circumstance and we think that this shouldn't be happening to me. I was a good girl. We get in the midst of of, of a situation and we think that this can't possibly be going on with me. I've done everything right. But tests are not about what we deserve. It's more about what God has promised to us. Sam Albury, he writes this. He says, we need to fight To think about them in the right way, speaking about our trials, consciously to force our perspective and vision above and beyond the present suffering so that we look forward to the good that God will over time produce through our trials. It is as we do this, we do this that alongside the deep pain we can have a sense of the presence of the goodness of God and be assured that we are in his hands and that he is at work in us. So so seeing the work completed means that we have asked, we've believed, and we've trusted God's plan for our lives. And as we continue to be changed by the Spirit, we will see that God has been faithful. Anybody know that God's been faithful in here? Anybody been, God been faithful to anybody in here? See, some of the challenges that we face will test us to our very core. But this is God's way of refining us and shaping us to reflect him. So asking God for wisdom, which James is going to talk to us about, shouldn't be a difficult thing, but it often is. Maybe we're ashamed that we have to ask for something, or perhaps we we feel like we shouldn't have to ask again about something. Uh, It's really a matter of trusting God at his promises. So when people talk about growing closer to God, but they aren't quite sure about what that means or what it looks like. Uh, note this, that when challenges and trials come into your life, those are opportunities for God to grow you. Amen? All right, so here, here we go. I'm jumping to my first idea is this, is that we are called to trust God is at work in us no matter the circumstances. We are called to trust that God is at work in us no matter the circumstances. Join me in verse number two where he says, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. This word here, if consider, it's a financial term. It, it means to evaluate something. 
So James, the brother of Jesus here, he, he, he's, he's calling us, he's, he's claiming, he's calling us to look at our situation and evaluate it and consider it a great joy when we experience or come across various trials. What is James talking about? Count it joy, consider it joy when you come across trials? That don't make no sense, James. I thought you was Jesus' brother. You don't make no sense. But when you consider or count it or count something, this word suggests that you are deeming it to be a great joy. In other words, you're looking at the tally sheet and you're reconciling everything. And at the end of the reconciliation, you consider the joy of God in your life to be greater than the pressure of the trials in your life. So if we're going to trust the process and turn our trials into triumphs, then we need the right attitude. See, see, attitude is all about what you choose. And you can choose your attitude. If you've been to gym class, you've seen that little poster that tells you to choose your attitude, which will lead to the right altitude and all that stuff. But that's why we say here, and one of our values at Epiphany is that we choose joy. You learn that in the step three of growth track is that we choose joy. But I love the next part of this is the word for consider suggests that we can command our circumstances. See, we can command our circumstances when we choose joy. See, the word means to have authority over. That's what consider can mean. It means to have authority over. So when you count it all joy, you take authority over your trials. See, and when Jesus is he's pointing us here, he's, his little brother is talking to us. He's saying, don't just count it joy, but count it a great joy. And so when we consider our trials and our circumstances, when we consider them to have great joy or to be a great joy, what we do is we take authority over the situation and the circumstance and we remove the pain of the circumstance and we allow God to have his perfect work in us through moving and shaping us into what he's calling us to be. So this great joy, this word, it, it means to, to be glad or cheerful or joyful exceedingly. In other words, the joy of your, the joy that you should have in your situation should exceed that of the pain of your situation. So this implies that, that we must have a calm delight about our circumstances even when we've been going through various different trials. But here's the, here's, here's the, here's the lynch point of this. God tells us to expect trials. It's not if you go through various trials, but when you go through various trials or very colored trials. That means that you're going to go through a whole lot of different looking kind of stuff. And you'll be wondering, how in the world did I get in this? And how in the world is this happening to me? But, but the Lord, he tells us, he says, listen, expect to have trials. The believer who expects his life to be easy is in for a shock. I'm here to let you know. If you expect rainbows and butterflies on this side of the cross, then you are in for a surprise. 
And if anybody told you that when you get on this side of glory or this side of the cross that everything is just going to be wonderful and lovely and, and beautiful all the time, they lie to you. The believer should expect to have trials. Jesus warned his disciples. He says, in this world, you'll have trouble. He told them that. Paul told his converts that we must go through much tribulation to enter into the kingdom of God. So we ought to be expecting that we have trials in our life. Stop being so surprised when you have a trial or a circumstance come up in your life. See, I've been wrestling all week long to preach this this series because I just knew, like, I just knew that once I started talking about trials and started talking about sanctification and all that, that stuff was going to start coming my way. And it, listen, all the way up to this morning, like rushing, trying to get out of the house and all the different things that were going on, like I just knew to expect that this stuff was getting ready to happen. But God tells us to expect this stuff. And here's what this looks like. Our trials are approving for us. In other words, it's a putting to proof of the faith that we say that we have. In other words, it's like an experiment. One of my daughter's favorite things to do, if you've been to my house, you know, she likes to do experiments. Now, an experiment is when she goes into my wife's cupboard and takes out all of her fancy uh uh, baking supplies, her, her Mexican vanilla and all that other kind of stuff, her Italian spices, all the fancy stuff that she has in there. And my daughter just goes in there. She grabs all that stuff. She grabs it like this and she brings it over to the table and she says, Daddy, let's do an experiment. What that means is that I'm getting ready to be a taste tester for something that she's about to concoct together. But when she puts everything inside of the bowl, from the cupboard, she mixes it all up, and the the various ingredients together, she mixes them together, why? To see if it's good. And I'm here to let you know that God's trials are like experiments to prove whether or not your faith is good. So when you go through trials, know that it's like an experiment. God is saying, listen, I want to see what you've got on the inside of you. The old Hebrew word, it, it suggests when it talks about Abraham being tested, it talked about God. The word suggests that God was sniffing Abraham. Like he was smelling him like you pulled a piece of fruit out of the fridge to test whether or not it was still good or not. That's what this is. And trials are signs of God's work among and within us. So true faith isn't produced through testing, but true faith has produced the testing. See, trials are the proving ground or the processing plant of our faith. So if we're going to trust the process, we must know faithfully. That's my next idea here. In verse number three, it it, it reads, it says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance see knowing means to understand who you are and whose you are see james the brother of jesus is calling us to be intimate with the promises of god when we face difficulty that's what this is he's telling us to know that the testing of our faith produces endurance 
But this testing here is approving and the, the work and also means to determine the trustworthiness of something. Anybody ever bought a new car? When you bought the car, you hopped in it. You looked around at all the, the, the doohickeys and the lights and you were pressing buttons and all that fancy stuff and you were turning the radio on blast to make sure that it was the Bose system that you wanted and all those kinds of things. You're looking inside of the car. You step out of the car and you look around. You look at the alloy on the wheels and you go, oh my gosh, you got alloy wheels. And you're walking around the thing and you're looking and you're seeing, oh, it's the perfect red color that I want my car to be, like Earl's car. It's all this stuff that's going on, right? You're looking around at the car and you're looking. You review the numbers because you're looking at the MSRP thing on there. You're like, mm, I don't know if I can afford that. <laughs> and you're walking around and you're observing the specs on the car. You say, oh, it's, it's a V8. It's got 240 horsepower, all the stuff you're doing. After doing all that, you don't just say, all right, sign my name. You don't do that. You don't just go and purchase the car. What do you do? You test drive it. So you don't buy a car that you haven't test drived. You, you're, you're not just going to do that. You're not going to buy a car if you haven't test drove it because test driving is the proof of approval that the engine and everything, the components inside the car are actually working up to spec how you would like it to work. See, when you get behind the wheel of the car to test drive it, you're seeing how's the suspension. You want to see how, how does it handle on the road? You want to see how does the engine rev when I press it a little bit? Can, can, can it keep up? You want to see those kinds of things. You don't just want to look at the outside of the car and see that it's nice and shiny. You want to know what's on the inside of the car. And oftentimes we look good on the outside and we have all the right specs. We have all the right numbers in place. But when you test drive us, you find out that the engine is no good. See, all I'm trying to say to you is that is that when faith gets on the end, when your faith gets tested, it's approving to determine that the tr the trustworthiness of your faith in God. So listen, faith is the conviction of truth, but it also talks about the character of a person. See, the test driving of your faith produces endurance. The test driving of your conviction produces endurance. The test driving of your character produces endurance and when it talks about producing here it talks about the testing of your faith to render its fitness for the task that god has given you charge over so the testing of your faith is the process by which god fashions endurance in you see we need endurance see some of us we're, we're, we're most of the time we're so weak and ready to give up at the littlest sign of anything that comes up in our lives. One little trial comes up, a little situation doesn't work out, and we're ready to throw everything away. God's not real. How can I trust him? He must not be with me. One little thing comes up in your life, and you're ready to throw it all away. That's because you don't have no endurance. See, endurance is the steadfastness to wait patiently for what God has promised. Ah, I need a witness in here today. See, see, God tests us to bring the best out of us. 
So we must trust the process of God fashioning endurance or producing endurance in us, even though it comes through something that we may not think it should be coming through, and that's the trials that we face. So if we're going to trust the process, then we have to surrender willfully to the will of God. Here James says, let endurance, in verse 4, have its full effect. See, James is instructing us to surrender our will to God through patient endurance through trials. In other words, James is saying that if we're going to trust the process... We must surrender our will to God and allow endurance to have its perfect work in us. So James is saying that we have to allow, this word for have means to to cling or to adhere. So James is saying that we've got to allow the, the perfect work of endurance to cling to us like the suction cups of an octopus. Y'all know I love nature shows. <laughs> it always goes back to that. I was watching this one show. And the octopus was on the boat. And so they have the camera on the octopus. And there was a little crack in the boat, a little opening, a little tiny opening. The octopus started making his way with his eight little arms, tentacles. He starts making his way to the little crack. And he squeezes his first little tentacle through. And he makes it down through there. And then he brings the other tentacle all the way through it. So then all eight of his tentacles get through the little crack, little tiny crack like that. He gets through there, and then he squeezes the rest of his body through the crack. And in my mind, I'm like, man, how did octopus get through there like that? But the way he found his way through is that an octopus is flexible enough to find its way through difficult circumstances. And his suction cups are strong enough in order to pull it through through difficult situations. So we have to have an octopus endurance. We've got to allow the full effect of endurance to have its work in our life. Even though it may seem like there's only a little tiny way out, I'm going to squeeze my way through there. I'm going to hold on to faith. I'm going to stand firm and know that God is with me no matter what's going on in my life. I'm going to continue to work and move my way through and allow God to fashion me and shape me and mold me into what he's calling me to be. And I might have to squeeze and shrink myself down a little bit and become lesser than I was previously, but I know that on the other end of that, I'm going to reach the water and I'm going to be in the place where God has called me to be. So God's work is perfect. When it says to have its full effect, it's, it, it means it's perfect work. God doesn't do anything incorrectly. Y'all hear what I'm saying? He doesn't do anything incorrectly or imperfectly. So when you're going through trials, you have to trust that God is at work in you, and that work is a perfect work. When we encounter trials, we think that God has somehow stopped being perfect. He ain't stopped being perfect just because you're going through a little something. He's still perfect. And that means... That he's in control of your life and he's working out things how he wants to work them out in your life. You can't tell somebody perfect what to do. That don't make sense. He's perfect. How are you going to tell them how to do something? 
well, God, I don't, I don't think you should be doing this because I think there's a different way you could work this out in my life. Oh, really? Like he's perfect. So God's perfect. We can't just tell him what to do and how to do it. He created the sun and the stars. He created the intricacies of your body. All of the, all of the coding in your DNA that makes you unique outside of no other person has the same DNA as you. And you could tell that God, the one who created all the, all the variances in your DNA to that, how to do something. That don't make good sense to me. But yet and still we do it. <laughs> yet and still we do it. Even though it don't make good sense, we do it. I do it. But here's what the full effect of endurance produces in us. It says that so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. See, this maturity means to come to full age, to be full grown. And if you grew up in a black house like I did, you know that you've never grown. <laughs> and don't be acting grown either, because acting grown can get you in trouble. Matter of fact, thinking you grown can get you in trouble. <laughs> oh, you think you grown, huh? I, I didn't say that. I just was trying to see what was up. <laughs> I don't think I'm grown. But listen, if if we want to be full grown in Christ, then we've got to endure. If you want to grow in patience and stop having immature responses to everything, then you have to endure through some trials. See, and, and this maturity that he's talking about, it, it, it means to be full grown, to have mental and moral character. So when God is taking you through fiery trials, <clears throat> excuse me, when he's taking you through fiery trials, he is working maturity inside of you. In other words, he's building character on the inside of you. I got kids and I tell them, stick it out. You're not going to quit. When my son was coming up in sports and stuff like that, his little friends would be quitting and all that stuff like that because it was hard or they were losing and stuff like that. And I was like, nah, we're not quitting. We're sticking in there. It's going to produce endurance in you. It's going to mature you. It's going to bring character to your life if you just stick it out. And that's what God is, wants to do. That's what the perfect work, the full effect of endurance does. It makes us mature and complete. See, this is a beautiful word, which means to be whole. However, this word suggests that endurance through trials, watch this, allows us to be faultless and free from sin. What do you mean? If you want to be free from the bondage of the sin of lying, then you've got to endure through some various and difficult trials. See, I used to be a liar and God took me through some stuff to where I was faced with whether I was going to tell the truth or not. And in my decision to tell the truth, i.e. bringing myself into the process and, and saying that I'm going to decide to tell the truth, even though it's more comfortable for me to tell a lie, God began to shape and form something in me and make me more complete where I don't struggle with lying how I used to struggle with lying. 
I'm being honest with you. Transparent. God, I used to struggle with that. But God allowed me to be free through bringing some trials in my life that I didn't want to have to repeat over again. So I decided, listen, I'm going to listen to what the word says and I'm going to tell the truth, even though it might be painful for me. If you want to be free from the bondage of sleeping around with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you got to get ready to patiently endure and wait on God's promise for you in your life about what he says about sex and marriage. That means that you've got to endure through not getting what you're used to getting and surrender willingly to the word of God as it relates to your relationship status. And here's what James says. That in the midst of that, once you let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, you'll be lacking nothing. See, James says when we allow endurance to have its perfect work, we won't lack for anything. Oftentimes we struggle with sin because we feel like we're missing out. See, we struggle with sin in particular areas of our life because we feel like we're missing out on something that we think is better than what God promised. See, so we, so we, we continue in that relationship because we believe that the promise of this relationship is greater than the promise that God has for us of a true relationship with him. So we continue in relationships that aren't good for us. We continue in toxic relationships because we think the promise of that relationship is greater than the promise that God has for us of community with believers who love Christ and who point us to him every single moment of our lives. However, the brother of our Savior Savior, ensures us that we lack nothing when we fully surrender to God's process. So, and if you do lack anything, here's what James says. Ask God. Ask God. So if you're going to trust the process, we must ask with expectancy. See this word here, it says, in verse 5, he says, if anyone lacks wisdom, and all of us need to raise our hand, We should ask God, who gives to all, not some, he gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. This word for ask here, entrusting God, entrusting the process, this word suggests to us that we must beg God for wisdom. This word suggests to us that we ought to crave wisdom from God. This word suggests to us that we should desire wisdom from God. So in the process and entrusting the process of our sanctification that God is working in us, then we should be craving some wisdom from God. How do you get wisdom from God? I'm glad that you asked. It's in his word. It's in his word. And if we are going to trust the process and move along in our daily sanctification, there's no closer tie than being in the word of God. 
You listen, the, the, the growth that happens from personal study in the word of God and submitting yourself to the preached word of God produces something in you that can't be explained oftentimes. But people just wind up saying the word is changing me. I, the word is just changing me. I know that was true for me as a young believer. I, I just began to sit underneath the word of God and the word began to do something in my life. I couldn't even explain it. I didn't want to do the things that I used to do anymore. I didn't desire that stuff anymore because the word was transforming my life. And as I decided to dive deeper into the word of God and to, to study more and to, to pray more and to read more, God began to do something in my life that I couldn't even quantify. I just knew that he was doing something in my life. So we've got to crave the word of God. But here James is telling us that if we lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously and ungrudgingly. See this word here, forgive, it tells us that God will supply us with everything that we need. God will grant the desires of our heart to us. And lastly, God will deliver on his promises. Anybody believe that in here today? That God will deliver on his promises in your life. I don't care what's happening in your life. I don't care what the circumstances. I don't care what the difficulty is. God will deliver on his promises to you. If you're struggling in here today, I want to let you know that God will deliver on his promises to you. If you are doubting in here today, I'll let you know that God will deliver on his promises to you. If you are struggling with whether or not you are in Christ and, and, and you need to know that with certainty, God will supply you with everything that you need through his word. And I want to submit to us today that we've got to trust the process and know that God is actively working and moving in our lives. And as I close, I want to leave you with this thought. James, he closes this section of this, of this pericope here. And he lets us know in verse 12. He says, blessed is the one. Who endures trials. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. There is a promise that's connected to our endurance. When we learn to endure through the difficulty and the trials of life there is a promise directly from God which is shown to us here in this passage that we will receive a crown of life that he promises to those who love him as we trust the process and we learn continue to learn through this series I want us to lean in. I want us to really lean in to the realities of God's Word. I want us to press into that and know that the promises of God, He's never broken a promise yet. He's unable to break His promises. That's just the nature of who He is. 
God's not able to break his promises. So I want to submit to us as we trust the process. Know that God will use trials in your life. Don't be scared. When trials come up, I want you to meet them. And I want you to say, come on in. I want you to meet those circumstances that pop up in your life. And I want you to thank God and count it all joy to say, thank you for growing me, God. Thank you for continuing to produce endurance in me. Thank you for continuing to shape me into who you're calling me to be. Because I know that you've got purpose for my life. I know that you've called me and you've designed me for something specific. And I want to walk in that. greatest calling that all of us have on our life is that God has called us to turn from our sin and walk in the newness of relationship with Him. Maybe you're here today and you haven't experienced what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. We're here to proclaim to you today that the resurrected Savior has come to give you life and life more abundantly. There's new life in Christ. The old way that you used to live, the struggles that you used to have, they look differently when you're in Christ. Christ wants to do something in your life. You just have to trust Him. You just have to receive the gift of faith that He gives to those who believe in Him. Won't you place your faith in Jesus today? I pray that there's one who wants to put their faith and trust in Jesus today. If that's you, we'll pray for you. We'll cry out to God on your behalf to see God do wonderful things in your life. You might be saying, I'm a sinner. Well, I got good news for you. God loves to save sinners. He's in the business of doing that. You might think you're too bad. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And there's no sin that you could ever commit to that the cross and the empty grave didn't conquer. God wants to set you free today. We want to help you find freedom from the bondage of sin, from the brokenness
thing about a receiver in sports is that they only receive what's been given to them. Jesus is the great quarterback who throws us the ball. Father, bless these your people. Lord, I pray that you would speak today. Transform.